out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's the turn of Eater, because I spoke to Andy Blade to find out more about life, love and poetry. This year, 2023, there are gigs coming up, plus potentially new material. Definitely new material, some reissue stuff, and also a the book that he wrote well over a decade ago should be getting republished and brought out again. Anyway, this is the interview, so after several minutes of casual but interesting chat, we get down to what is happening um, towards this summer for 2023 with Andrew. Anyway, a few years ago we did an interview as well, and um, we pick up on that little moment, and then the rest of the interview is going to be conversational gold. That was a horrible time. The last time he spoke to me, it was a really horrible time. I didn't like that time at all. It was just after COVID. Well, in fact, it was just at the tail end, sort of, wasn't it? Or maybe just at the end. And it was a very, uh, it was, you know, a depressing time. And um, nothing much was happening. Things were starting to happen then. And that was the very beginning of it. And then since then, you know, life has kind of become uh, quite exciting and fun. You know, but it was... um, yeah, that was just the tail end of all that shit. Yes, this decade has been tricky. So, yeah, so what's happening this year? Because I know that, A, you've you've got gigs. You've also got some reissues of your solo material and the book right. coming out again. So so what? I mean, I mean it's kind of hard to know. Where well, after when I last spoke to you, the album Ant had just been, was I was looking to have it released, and um, that, which was the remastered proper versions of the album that eats the original debut album of Eater and um and it's called Ant and so that was that was in the in the works that eventually came out and then um I met I went I started going to quite a lot of gigs just to see some friends bands and stuff like that and I, I bumped into um a band who through a friend of mine called Paul Bedford who's he's a PR agent runs a company called Kick Down Doors and he's a good guy and he um he helped sort of kind of get me out of um my shell if you like you know when i when i met him he sort of you know when we start as things started happening he's one of those people that always keeps getting ideas and so you know he's a good person to have around and um and one of those things was i went to a gig and i met this band who i'd never heard of before and um they're called jojo in the teeth and they were just really i didn't we didn't weren't talking as bands really we were just talking as music about music and shared a lot of uh kind of sense of humor about the way how shitty everything is at the moment and and i always like meeting people that i can slag off the entire music industry with and uh so we hit it off perfectly and then the idea developed hey maybe we should um try doing like versions um do the ant album in its entirety and uh and do some gigs and i was thinking at the beginning you know the thing about suggesting that is that if it goes wrong if the first rehearsal is shit basically then it's kind of just a bit embarrassing and it's a very flimsy idea unless it's unless everything is perfect you know and everything was perfect and it was just like from the first very first song we played it was uh just like this is fucking great this is what this is this is eater because before then i was thinking of calling it ant as well rather than eater because i thought right you know, we haven't got the older members in and blah, blah, blah. But then I thought, well, fuck it, I'm eating, really. And then I thought also that they summon up the, um, you know, the energy we summon up, the noise we make some totally gets what it 
the original vibe of Eater back then was. And so I thought, fuck it, let's call it Eater. Why not? And, yes. Um, so just to give us a, a sort of context, this was an album that you recorded in 1977. And yeah. this, and was it the case that um, you weren't pleased with the mix? or the That's quality? right. It, it, it was recorded you know the there was a lot of overdubs left off it there was um hardly any guitar in it it was mixed terribly so that you couldn't even hear the guitar and um and we never got to finish it properly because it was our label was just useless and, but then a couple of years or a year later just at the end of Eater, i got a chance to put all the guitar overdubs on with dave goodman the producer at this, at this studio and the country, and it was just like in a 24 hour, 48 hour blitz of um, madness and just putting down lots of guitars. And uh, and I didn't get to hear back the whole the thing at all. I heard bits of it at the time, but I never got to hear the whole thing back. And then the band split up, Dave got lost. Dave Goodman eventually died earlier in the 2000s. And then eventually his, his sister came across these tapes in the attic. And that's how. Right. And so it, it was just brilliant to be able to get a chance to release, to have that finally released as it was supposed to be. And um, and also I wanted the original album to be called Ant. They called it The Album because the limited imagination, they were called The Label as well. And their publishing company was called The Publishers. And I always thought they should call themselves The Wankers. But <laughs> so, um, so we, it was great to get release that. And it was even greater to be able to actually go out and play those tracks, you know, because they sound fucking great. And um, it's kind of, it doesn't sound jaded 77 sort of punk, like the kind of more boring, mundane pedestrian bands that there are around, which I won't name any. It sounds like something exciting and uh, fresh. And of course, the aesthetic of it is really important, as in, I don't think Eater, like, obviously it's impossible to reform Eater as 15-year-old kids, right? That can't, can't be done. So it, the next best thing is to at least have a younger band, you know, who, who suit the aesthetic more than anything else. And without that extra kind of um, tick, I think it would have fallen flat. But it's as it is, it's just perfect. Yes. And it, it, so look, just because it's a kind of curious thing, this kind of um, the recording that never sort of quite happened, or did happen, but you weren't pleased with it. So who is Dave? Dave Goodman. Dave Goodman. He was yeah. our producer. He also produced the Sex Pistols. He was the one that um, he signed us to his label on the back of the fact that he did the Sex Pistols sound. He contacted he contacted me and said that he was running a label with Johnny Rotten called Rotten Records, would we like to sign to it? Because he saw an advert that we'd put in the paper in Melody Maker saying we needed a bassist. We were a punk band, and he saw a punk band. I thought, right, you know, because it was just happening at the time, the whole thing was just taking off. And so he found us up, not as a bass player, but as to say, would you like a record deal? <laughs> and so we thought, well, Johnny Rotten, Rotten Records, of course we fucking want to sign. And that was all bollocks, right, basically. He just reeled us in as stupid little kids. <laughs> And uh, and that's how we met with him. And then uh, he did form. He did. He was forming a label, but it had nothing to do with Johnny Rotten. It was to do with his partner, business partner, and uh, and then we just all got ripped off as inevitably we would. And um, yes, that's who Dave Goodman was. And he he remained kind of producing a lot of the bands at the time. He became sort of the Phil Spector of punk rock. I think he thought he was. And because he added hand claps and acoustic guitar and tambourine. And um, but then he had a heart attack and died. 
in 2004, I think it was. He just bought a retirement home in, or he just bought this place in the sun. He'd always dreamt of buying a place in the sun. And he had a house in Streatham, which he and his wife sold. And they bought this place in Malta and they moved over there. And it was great. He built his studio downstairs. He was there for about six months. And then uh, he said it's really great because I get, get to do loads of swimming because the sea was quite near. And, and it was because of swimming that he had his heart attack, and, um, which is a bummer. And at the same, around that same time, Joe Strummer was also on a health kick. And he, this, isn't, this isn't a joke. This is true. He was also on a health kick and he was um, jogging and he died, right? He had a heart attack when he was out jogging. So two of the, my punk luminaries around both died doing healthy things. And, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, no, it makes us worried if we do any exercise, though. But then, that's kind yes. of like the worst, that, that is the kind of worst time to have a heart attack is doing something that's supposed to be healthy for you. But the very worst time to have a heart attack is in the middle of a game of charades. Yes, well, it, it, well, well, it, there you go. No one would know, that should have been like erupting in laughter. Like, amazing, my eyes cracked there, anyway. <laughs> Well, I suppose they thought you could be doing sleep and beauty, couldn't they? So, edit, yeah, so, edit, so, edit. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I'm just kind of curious. So they, because because I know, I don't know, last year there was a film that came out about a band called Rima Rima. And um, they they lasted, a, you know, like eight months. They did one EP that starred people like Marco Peroni. And then... Yeah, yeah and then there was somebody and then there's been this kind of interest in the band someone's made a film about them you know they they sort of got some of their kind of recordings they did because they only did one ep and then they put an album out a few years ago as well of all their kind of bits and pieces they were the first band on 4ad so was it a little bit like with eater then have you sort of felt like trying to re-establish the band a little bit you know after that kind of initial period there was no not really it wasn't a plan to do to do I mean, I, if before I met this band, if someone had put a gun to my head and said, you've got a four-meter, I wouldn't have gone along with it. It was just happened to be just right. And it was just, you know, a set of circumstances that just, it just seemed the right. There was no plan behind it. But now that we are doing it, it's um, it's kind of just, it, it, in a way, it's the way it should be done, you know. And that's what it feels like to me. So it's kind of a lesson to be learned by all the other bands that reform and do their thing their way is that there are better ways to do it than um you know the nostalgia is a weird one because i don't like nostalgia and i don't and i certainly wouldn't want to be involved in peddling nostalgia but obviously there's a little bit of that in there because a lot of the people that like eater are you know into nostalgia and rebellion and that kind of you know thing and so I don't like it all that much but you know I've learned to kind of live with it and but at the same time the aesthetic as I say is is the only important thing and if if that's all good and right then that's that's all that counts so with uh, Marco he's you know he's done a few things since since Adam and the Ants and um you know the Wolf Wolfmen was a band that he had together who were really good, and he got the you know as the, the aesthetic of that was was good. It was right, but yes, even though sometimes you're pushing the limits as you get older as to what you know, because really the perfect aesthetic for pop music is young and beautiful, right? That is the that is that's the thing. So, but you know that doesn't mean that I, I did think up until the age age thirty that you have to quit after thirty. 
because you know that's downhill but now i think 30 is fucking young very there's a spring chicken you know so when you yes, get to fall, well, absolutely i know the bandwidth just... keeps changing the bandwidth keeps changing and also, I remember I, a few nights ago, I was watching this interview with Joe Strummer from decades ago, and he said that when he when he started, the, well, when he was in the class, he lied about his age and said he was 19, but he was actually 24, because it, he thought 20, 24 yeah. was made him sound like an old man. But now, as we all sort of creep into our 50s and late 50s... Yeah, you know, that's incredible, that is. Because I met him on his 25th birthday, we went to see the Kinks at the Rainbow with uh, Mick and Joe, me, me and a couple of Eater, and... Um, and I remember thinking, then fucking hell, 25, you know, and I, I was like six, just 16. And um, but now it just seems like, you know, it's a kid. You know, my son's 25. He's a fucking kid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then when we're 25, we know it all, which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that's the other amazing thing. Because why, why did you, I mean, because you obviously were there right at the beginning of the punk, sort of 76, 77, the album didn't sort of quite happen. Why didn't you sort of then come and do a, a second album? Why did it sort of fizzle out? Well, so? because punk rock had gone so horrible by then. That, I mean, that's that was the obvious thing that my record company wanted me to do. They wanted me to do, we, when the band split, that was the first idea that was suggested. But but I didn't want to do that by then because there, there was, this punk scene i've said this a billion times so i keep saying it but the, for the first sort of six months that's when punk was good right when the before it all got into the national papers and and everybody was a punk suddenly that was it was really creative little scene where lots of people that looked different you know they weren't all looking the same uniform and everything and with different ideas there wasn't all fast and it wasn't all i hate the government kind of stuff it was like um interesting there was a lot of interest that you know you'd get a real weird cross selection and then within six months after the roxy club opened and then national papers and the thing on today bill grundy and and all of that then it became massive and that's when it that's when it got saturated and with that there was loads of bands that i didn't like that were just because they would not you know just because i knew what they were trying to do they were trying to sound like what we were doing everybody else was doing instead of coming up with their own thing. And then they turned it into their own thing because, just because they were quite pedestrian with it, you know? And then pedestrian punk rock became the, what everybody now thinks of as punk rock is Mohicans and, you know, oi, oi, oi type choruses and all that sort of thing. So that's do you why. Think, do you think Sid Vicious, did you, did you <laughs> Vicious killed punk in a way? No, but he, he escaped. He escaped again. <laughs> no, it was the Sid Vicious look, wasn't it? It was that kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he they took that. They took that look. If he was still alive today, he'd probably be doing Rebellion this year, you know, <laughs> probably on the literary stage, talking about his third novel. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it was quite interesting, though, because I've done a lot of interviews with New York bands from that 70s, 80s, and they're kind of idea of punk is so different to the uk punk isn't it it's it's much more you know people don't yeah, oh, yeah. every ba every band looks different they've kind of got different rhythms you know like different influences from around the world guitar sounds percussion everything is so like different you know it's just much more arty i suppose that's the word and it's a bit like people really tried to experiment a lot more with what they were doing and it was yeah. uh, it was well, that was punk. why in a way that was why the london scene wasn't um, I mean, that's why it was full of good good ideas, strange ideas, because, you know, obviously McLaren 
neither the New York lot and Johnny Thunders and his lot got in early over over to London and people knew about Richard Hell and um so we punk rock was never just one, two, three, four, blah, blah, blah. that was much later that 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 it turned into that. It was much more like weird looking people doing things that are quite interesting, you know, and that included a whole range of people from Wayne County, you know, to Richard Hell to Blondie to Buzz Cox, Eater, The Damned and everything. So it kind of, it all branched out from the two. I don't think there was, like America, the New York punk scene, they like to claim that they started it all, but they wouldn't have been able to, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been what it was without the London punk scene. And they know that. And so it, and in a way, punk as we know it started in London, but it also didn't really. So it's kind of compl- complicated. Yes, it's a, it's it's a very complicated thing. Probably there was probably a ley line between the two places that connected the energy force, and voila, yes. it's it's just yeah. it's one of those cos- cosmic moments. Because just to, so with the new band, have you been then tempted to think? Because with the the album E, this is just kind of the the, re, the remastered from the original um, uh, from yeah. the re- original recordings. Where did where did you do that particular sort of um, transition or um, yes, engineering. Where was the overdubs recorded, or how was it? Yes, lost? where did you where did you go and do the kind uh, of? There was a little there was a little studio that Dave Goodman used to get had a good deal on where, and it was out in the middle of nowhere in Cotswold sort of area, and um, and so we just turned up there. He he got given the keys for the studio for the night, and we had loads of mushrooms and some speed and a lot of cider. And 48 hours to um to do like it wasn't just the album, we did fucking loads of other stuff as well. Some of it is, is unlistenable. But um so yeah, it was just uh, I can't remember the name of it. All, all I remember is that Chris Rea was there. He wasn't like a star at the time, but he was recording an album there and he was just finishing up his session as we were coming in. And Dave was um kind of he knew him from something and and I just thought yes. Who's 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 this bloke? And then a couple of years later, he started being, um, you know, making grounds. And then years later, in the nineties or whatever it was, when he had his massive hit, it was like I often thought, you know, I met that bloke once in a yes. shed, in a weird shed and stuff like that. So with with the, the new lineup, you've got these dates, well, at least one date I know of. Have you got plans to record any new material and take Eater to the next kind of level yeah. of? Um, releases we've recorded we've recorded a a single we're we're just about to release a single with streaming already but the physical thing is being released in a month or so and um that we it was a bit of a dilemma time because well i thought i would when we went in the studio i thought we'd record something new and then i started thinking should we record something new straight away might kind of be a bit bullshit to do that and then because there's there's quite a few tracks that that weren't kind of um, made the most out of on the, out of the Eater album, and and that never appeared a single. So what we've done is taken two of the tracks that we love that are that should have been singles but weren't, and we've so this is our first single. It's a track called Anne on the A side and a track called Point of View on the B side. Both fucking kicking, and um, so as we've already recorded another track, which is a new one. Um, 
Um, so we're slowly kind of getting the, this album together. So there will there will be an album. But, um, yes. And this it, is with Jojo and the Teeth. That's, yeah, I mean, that, well, when they were with me, we were Eater. But yeah, they yes. have a schizophrenic dual existence as, as also the, as Jojo and the Teeth. But, and they're doing really well as well, which is great. Because they're a fucking brilliant band. But um, so, yeah. And we're actually, we're playing Rebellion in, um, uh, I, you know, I know I've slagged off Rebellion in the past and everything, but we, we've we've made up. And we're playing Rebellion in when is it august and yeah joe teeth are also playing on the friday we're playing on the thursday and uh, they're playing new band slot on the on the friday so that's cool and, yes uh, absolutely i think i did an interview with a member of the lurkers who's not playing rebellion because they they didn't get the same money that everybody else has got so there's a lot of excitement murkiness going on there isn't there so um i hope you got a good uh, deal there's they're a funny lot i mean that they not the lurkers the the way that rebellion, the way that they book bands is a mystery to me. I'm not sure. Because yeah, I better not go into all that. Like we've made no, up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll skip. So is it fun? Because one thing that I've this is just life in general, okay, not just music, but it probably does appeal to the apply a little bit with the band. But I think when you're younger, it's probably better to hold, hang out with older people who can give you a little bit of wisdom and just say, that's a good idea, that's a bit rubbish. A bit like that scene in with Nell and I with the poacher saying you need working on boy um we all need that but when you get older it's probably better to mix with younger people do you feel that being with jojo and the teeth as your sort of yeah well i mean it's a weird thing that's a good good question that because um before i got you know i mean after the lockdown and everything like that i wasn't going out wasn't very sociable at all and you know and obviously the um that meant that i didn't see <laughs> younger people or older people and so but now I've found that since I've started going out doing a lot of gigs and going to a lot of clubs and stuff like that, and I'm, because I'm, I'm working on a solo album, solo album at the moment as well, which is collaborations with, uh, I'm working with different singers and songs of mine and like some duets. And there's a lot of great stuff. Durwood from Generation X playing guitar on some tracks that I wrote with him. Ratscave is playing drums on a couple of the tracks. It's a very varied album but having met a lot of younger a lot, a lot of the singers that are working with me are young singers from new bands and it's great because that you there is a kind of hunger for it you know that they have that working with older musicians they don't they're a bit more jaded and a bit more kind of you know lacking that that thirst for it so it and it can't you know it, it, it can't do anything else but make you kind of rub off on you a bit and make you more, you know what I mean, excited about yes. working. It's great. Well, it's great. interesting because I guess it could sort of, you know, make you think not just about your attitude, but your fashion, your sort of style, getting a six-pack, looking, because they are a mean-looking bunch of young people, aren't they? I, they are. They are a mean-looking bunch, but um, they, I, to be honest with you, I don't feel old, you know what I mean? So it, it's sometimes I I remember that I'm older and and it's kind of I don't like that because I don't, I don't really I don't really feel I don't feel like I act like people my age I don't think I talk like people my age I don't think I've never fit in with it. when I see you know friends of mine doing normal jobs especially who are kind of got all the responsibilities or all the you know the things the mortgages and all that kind of stuff it's 
it just, I, I just it feels alien to me so me so working with people who are yeah a musicians and also who still don't give a fuck enough about the world to to get boring is fun you know it's great fun yeah i was going to say the main thing you'd kind of probably notice when you're with your you know friends of your age compared to them is that when they probably sit down or get up quickly well not quickly from the sofa they probably make a bit of a noise don't they whereas young people don't do that oh that's I, that's a funny thing to say that because that there's this <laughs> there, there's this bit in no brains one of our songs at the end of the set where i i usually i'm kneeling down on the stage sort of praying <laughs> and um to think of a better word and i was talking to the band after a couple of days after this gig and my my daughter was there, she's 25, and she's she goes, that must have really hurt your knees when you were leaning down. It would hurt my knees. And um, I said, no, I learned how to kind of bend my knees from quite a young age. It's, it's actually very easy. So so no, I I I um I know what you mean, I know what you're saying, but no. But I bet I bet you do have friends who who make a weird noise. Oh, I've got friends who make that noise. But I think but what I'm saying is I think younger people make that noise as well, like that groaning as they get up. So I, I haven't noticed it that much in just older people, apart from the I did show. notice that, the, I can't remember which is the album, but Guns N' Roses had reissued one of their albums or put it out on vinyl, and there was a particular track that they omitted because the lyrics, it's got a fantastic acoustic guitar riff all the way, riff all the way through it, but it's it's kind of lyrically a little bit dodgy, and and that's kind of been taken off. Did you have any kind of issues with that first album with certain songs that you just thought, actually, I might just, you know, yeah, yeah, that's, now. yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> I ditched a couple of songs. I didn't want to... Yeah. Did you? you know, was that, did you think? No, but, you know, the thing is, I've never wanted that album released anyway, and and so there's. I think one of the tracks you're talking about is is the track that was just fucking around in the studio that was we didn't know it was recorded even, and it, not only was it recorded, it ended up on the fucking album, and it's just a stupid jam with us saying that stupid stuff, and it and it's it pisses me off still to think about it. So so yeah, it does it does put me off, but you know. There you go. The other thing that you probably noticed was we all were in little lockdown wondering what a strange decade it was becoming and whether people would reminisce about it like the 60s, 70s and 80s is um, is kind of you suddenly would have seen lots of books and, and films coming out and documentaries. Everyone suddenly ran into their or got the ladder if they were being nimble enough and got their archives and started bringing books out. And you obviously were ahead of the game decades ago, weren't you? Because you brought out um, The Secret Life of a Teenage Punk Rocker in 2005 yeah. is there any yeah you were the head of the game is there any plans of kind of bringing out or republishing and and yeah. adding a bit to that book because it is going for a very vast amounts on ebay at the moment isn't it it's going for like unbelievable amounts of money i wish i kept the box back yes really do but um the i it was actually i i did update um another a second book called Outside View, which came out in 2020. And, um, but that's just about, that's done its run now. So it's going to be, it's, it's being, I've, I'm now updating it again. And this is going to include the new band and the, what's happened up to date. 
and in a few other things. I think the thing about writing is writing this story is that there's tons of things that are always left out. And so the good thing about re- new editions is that you can put in things that you didn't get in the first time. And there's a lot of funny tales that, you know, haven't been published yet. So it's, so yeah, that's, I think that's around November time. Right. And who's, yeah. and who's, what's the publisher this time, you know, with um, this particular. Well, it, this time I'm talking, I'm talking, I better not say the name at the moment because we haven't, signed it yet but this time it's a, ma- it's a major publisher so let's just say um let's just say Viv Albertine that's all I will say <laughs> but uh oh blimey a, she had her book on this on this publisher but it's um there's also um an audio book or it's not really an audio book it's more like a podcast series of podcasts that I've recorded already which are going to find light of day soon and there's also um there's a movie lurking in the background which is which is again i've got to not go too deep into it at the moment but it's things are happening and what um, a biopic you know because i heard that Joni mitchell is also having a, a biopic made of her life is this kind of a bit like the elton john freddie mercury this more in the vein of um uh pistol you know the sex pistols thing which you know was all right from what i hear i never watched it actually i don't even know if it's all right in fact i i think probably it's shit but people tell me it's all right but i find i get wound up when i watch things that are supposed to depict a time where i was there you know because it's how did they get that wrong how did they get around why didn't they mention that well i did an interview with glenn matlock and he said it was just appalling he hated it so there you go. Did he really? All right. Yeah, he all right. even all right. got in touch with the director to tell him as well. So yeah, but he didn't hate it enough to turn down the fucking money and do it, did he? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, he wouldn't yeah. go that far. <laughs> uh-huh. right. He's he's obviously you know still got his pension plan. It was, him. It was pretty obvious with Disney making it that it, things maybe weren't going to plan. You know what I mean? It I was think, probably going to think... be more like the monkeys meets you know than. And yeah, it probably yeah. didn't depict that time that well. It was always going to be tricky, wasn't it? Really, I didn't like the look of um, the guy playing Johnny Rotten. He he looked like he should be called Wurzel and live in Dorset or something. He had like that funny carrot top hair that didn't, and he looked too chubby to be Johnny Rotten. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know that is there is a sort of problem with chubbiness actually that I noticed when I watched um, a Taste of Honey. That was the you know the play from the fifties, and I noticed that all the cast. This was at the theatre all a few years ago. It's like they all they're a bit overweight actually, but in the fifties everyone was quite skinny because they didn't have enough food. So it's sort of anyway didn't quite work but, for me. But, yeah, they, but once again back to aesthetics it's like that's really important to me and so at least and at least some attention to detail for the fashion you know one of the there was some shirt that they gave him to wear this new johnny ron to wear and it was just nothing that you would see it was like a really badly made holy t-shirt that that you know they had jordan there advising them supposedly on you know stuff like that but she obviously was asleep at that point in time and, and a few others but there's an eater poster in there i'm glad to say there's an eater poster in the movie yeah in the netflix because one thing that does get slightly overlooked that you had in the 90s a very prolific oh actually the o years as well prolific sort of solo career is is there are there plans of sort of getting those reissued as well and sort yeah, of ar- ar- archiving from from planet pop to mental shop 
well, there's five there's five albums of the this new album is going to be the sixth album which seems like a lot to me although that is a lot it's but, but yeah there's there's a lot of there's going to be a reissuing on vinyl of all of my albums so starting with planet pop and then treasure here which was 2006 or 2005 and then life affirming songs which is 2008 is let's burn the internet down 2012 good album that is and plastic penny 2016 that's my was my last album it was quite a long time ago yes different the time then when i recorded that was so fucking different to what things you know to what it's like at the moment with stuff in so in so many different ways but um it's Jesus you can, Christ, you, can hear it. you can hear it in the songs though you can really hear it it's um i love the new stuff it's it's special yeah everybody everyone that's worked on any of the songs you know they all know they're all part of it it's all very special club we're now in hopefully it will get it's um it will get a lot of exposure we're hoping yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, one thing that I noticed is that you're on quite a lot of different record labels. Have you managed to sort of somehow keep the ownership <clears throat> to, you know, reissue well, all these? Yeah. So basically licensing deals. You know, I don't like putting things out on my own, you know, because it's such a fucking hassle to do that. And and I hate like online promotion and that kind of thing. And so the thought of being feeling responsible for all the time generating enthusiastic kind of you know things that all a lot of bands do have to do i guess and or at least they think they have to do it. and on facebook and on instagram and everything it's it's so exhausting that i'd rather just license stuff and you know make probably make less money but it, but it's it, as i say it's such a hassle to um to flog stuff yes. You know, that's I think a psychosis building actually that you know is, is getting bigger and bigger and bigger because people you know it's almost like social media has become part of your household you know what i mean it's it's there waiting for you all and you know and it's such an unreal depiction of what people's lives are like and yet, and yet people believe you know they think they think people are really so busy all the time doing these amazingly wonderful things. And really, that was like three minutes of putting pictures up about something. And probably that happened over three weeks. But to other people, this it seems really, you know what I mean? It's all a stupid competing game. of. And if you don't do it, you know, and I know this because I've got lots of friends in bands at the moment. And if you don't do it, you feel as though you're letting yourself down, you know, and that you should yes. be and it's it's kind of it's nasty is what it is it's tricky it's, it's a tricky one but then i did notice that um when 2020 um you, you wrote a little piece on on disog saying saying blade is much underrated but will be adored the day he pops his clogs for sure were you in a dark space on that day no i just think that that's, that's just something i think i think it's something that i've always thought because uh, <laughs> because it seems like that, and also I think you know what what I'm. I don't think people get like definitely not the mainstream don't get the mo- most people, apart from a very small strand of people. Most people don't get what I what I'm doing, you know, and it's some of it is a bit oblique and a bit strange, hard to understand, 
hot on stand, but it's kind of it's because it's left field. It's not it's what not what they've been kind of uh, induced to kind of like as think as of you know uh, mainstream crap like that that the that played on the radio all the time. People get to start thinking this is what this is what I like then, you know, everyone likes this then. And so when they hear something a bit strange, it's like when you see, a, I went to see a lineup, um, of some bands and the lineup was like different bands playing, two of the bands were playing very, what you'd expect, sort of mainstreamy kind of things. One of them was a really weird band and no one knew what to make of it. And the audience kind of thinned out a bit. That's, that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> and with with, you know, the world with the mainstream they they thinned out a long time ago then they, they go nowhere near it and so um and so that's what i mean i decided i think that i think by what i know i've got enough conviction to know what i'm doing is is special right so i know that and and so with things like that sometimes you just have to wait until the rest of the world catches up and that's probably yes. what happened to uh Art, who's that artist who died before Van Gogh? You know what I mean. He, oh. he Penny did it. He just ended up in a loony bin. That's the way I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> a bit drastic, a bit drastic. But I did notice. I mean, you must have come across bands like Wasted Youth, who, you know, did a couple of albums in the late sort of seventies, early eighties. Have have been you know reformed recently. Various members. And has started to, you know, record new material, sort of enjoying playing live again, sort of have, even though they've got sort of health, quite a few health issues here and there. Um, you know, it must be quite nice to sort of feel like there is a, not a second, this is probably more your third or fourth kind of wave of sort of doing something kind of interesting, but with a with a, quite a different lineup rather than trying to sort of get the old band back together. Yeah, well, I mean, it's got to be interesting. It's got to be, I mean, with for me, and I think for, for any artists it's got to be unless they're just doing it for the money it's got to be fun and it's got to be interesting it's got to be exciting if it's those three things it three things it doesn't really matter what it is you know and it just happens to fall into place that is what i'm doing is this so um so yeah what what were you saying what was the thing you were pointing well it was about sort of you know like doing this show I've, i've sort of come across a lot of bands who did their thing, that was the end of it, and they've gone on to do quite a lot of stuff outside music, I suppose, to try and earn money and and stuff like that. But I've recently sort of been reforming, sort of sorted out their archive and thinking, playing a few live dates, enjoying it, and then thinking, actually, I'd rather record some new stuff or sort out some of the demos we did. And I was saying that you, this is not so much your second coming because you've obviously done a lot of stuff in that sort of the 90s and the O years, but this is kind of like the fourth or fifth kind of chapter of your kind of creative life really isn't it you know with a new band and it's you know it, it seems like that you know but it's it doesn't feel I mean I, it feels a bit like that but it, it's not like that's my plan that's or that's not the way I don't think of it as it's all the same continuum to me you know but it does, it's not like oh this is my fourth whatever it's just it's just now it's just where it is now and it does it does seem to be in a much better place at the moment than it's been for a while and it's um and i think that's down to really just writing some great songs and and i think if 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 you create something if you're even if you're just on your own like if in during lockdown you know there was it was really fucking difficult to to 
like every, as everyone knows, to, to do some do something that's fun. You know what I mean? And the only fun thing I could do was uh, write songs, and so a lot of a lot of great songs were in. But it but it wasn't a, it wasn't a case of just knocking out tunes. It was like if the, if it hadn't gone down the certain rabbit hole that it did that made me really interested and, and want to make these songs, you know, kind of real. Um, if I hadn't had that enthusiasm, it wouldn't have swelled to what it's, you know, what it's become now with lots of other people involved and a lot of people quite interested in it. And it's it all comes from the passion from for wanting to do something. And that comes from, you know, just you on your own. So if you, if, do you know what I mean? So it was kind of because of COVID and that old lockdown thing that um, that this is happening now, I feel, you know. It was like yes. that. COVID was like the end of a chapter for a lot of things, and it's not, I'm not saying it's all better now, but you know what I mean. It's it, it's a different different dynamic, and there's a different energy around. Definitely, that I feel anyway. And um, and it's just a case of seeing seeing where it goes. I mean, nothing nothing lasts forever. We all die, and all of that. So <laughs> it's just and and as you get older, you realise you've got you know. If, forecasting too much into the future might, might be folly and so you know living in the now is like it's, it's a great thing to do and it seems to work you know it seems to be a good way to create and make you know valuable good music so the tracks i've been doing with Durwood are fucking amazing it's and I, I don't normally work with people who write songs as well in fact i it's normally all my songs you know and because I've worked with people co-writing songs before and it's always a bit too much compromise and something happens and whatever. But with his, his what he's been doing is he's been writing songs with that and just sending me a song, but it's got no vocals, it's got nothing on it, no lyrics or anything. And so, which is good because I don't like singing other people's lyrics. And so it's his idea of what I was going to do was so fucking different to what I did to the first track. And he was blown away by it. I was blown away by it. It was they're just lovely chords to work with, lovely songs to work with. And it's it's kind of that thing just came out of him listening to some songs that I'd written and contacting me on Instagram. We'd not like I've not seen him for 40 odd years or something like that. And we didn't know each other very well anyway. And we were just he was just in Generation X and I was Anita and and we sort of had nodding acquaintance. And so it wasn't it was really unplanned and not um you know, one of these weird things that just that happened. And again, it's all back to if I hadn't been writing those songs and doing that stuff, he wouldn't have heard that to have got in touch. And it's um, it's really cool. So yes, they're great songs. I can't. I, will, I hope you can play one of them. Yeah. So this is so you've 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 got quite a lot of kind of um, juggling between JoJo and then this your solo project. Did you say with Derwin from Generation X? Uh, Derwin, Derwin, yeah. So it's it's not it is juggling, but it's not really juggling. I mean, there's the JoJo and the Teeth are quite busy doing Eater and a busy, too busy doing Eater and or busy enough just at the right business doing Eater and JoJo and Teeth. I'm just at the right business doing uh, my solo stuff and Eater, you know. It's, and it's a good balance between for me. It's a good balance because it's um. You know, punk rock is is such fun to do that fucking eater set. It's such a great thing to do. It's it's got an energy of its own. But then doing my solo stuff, it's it, it 
obviously it's very different and more you know eclectic and it's it's just a perfect balance of like weirdness and in your face punk rock yeah it's just a way to be and do you and have you found because i noticed that um, younger people bless them but they um they don't have that kind of uptightness with you know being so tribal or listening to one sort of music or one particular period have you started finding more younger people sort of sort of discovering eater for the first time here, there, and everything. And I would imagine with a younger band. Yeah, yeah, lots, loads, loads. So it's been great. I mean, it's, it's really great to see younger, younger people at, at gigs. And it's great to see lots of people at gigs anyway. But, um, but yeah, obviously, it's the way I look at it. The younger people have got a lot more life left in them. And the other, the other ones will might might die in the next month, six weeks. You know, it's just like, you know, I look at yes. it practically. You've got to look at it practically. There's no point in trying to sell. Yeah, and merchandising as well. You're going to have to go for extra large T-shirts, don't you, as well, for older people. Normally, they've got a bit chubby. It's the case. It's, it's a lot. It's, yeah. Have you ever been tempted with any dates in America? Have that has sort of the, the punk yeah. bowling, bowling yeah. event in Las Vegas? Has that ever given you a sort of... Us, they have. Yeah, we're, we're, we, the Cleopatra, the label in the States, they tried to get us on this year for punk rock bowling but they'd already built and planned so it's so we're thinking next year there's there's all but there is for punk rock bowling that is but there is a kind of plan at the moment that that's a bit up in the air but we might be going to the states in uh much later in the year sort of november october maybe for a little bit but i don't know for sure yeah but we're definitely, definitely going to end up there i mean this it's obvious that we should go to the states and um well i mean i you know i don't know if i told you before but i had a two a two-week tour planned back in 2017 um which was it just me um you know with a band and it was all mostly sold out and i was all ready to go but then my visa got turned down at the last minute and so that was fucked but the, but it was really you know at the time it was really exciting because it was like so many people want to come and see Eater, and yes. never played the states before, and so it was a real bummer at the time to have to unpack my bag. But now I'm really pleased, you know, because um, without a fucking shred of a doubt, Eater at the moment is the the real deal, and so it would have. I hadn't even yeah no. It, it, I, I missed, I dodged a bullet, I think. I feel that's how it is. Yes. I we'll guess. be going there. We will be going there. It will be. And and have you managed to get your visa issues potentially ironed out, whatever they Let's were? Not talk about, Let's not talk about that at the moment. But Let's uh, not do that. Let's not. In hand. <laughs> it's weird. The stupid thing was, the stupid thing was, is that um, they, bands that I know that have been going out to the States for, years now never get work visas they just go tourist class you know and uh, if they got a guitar with them just going to go and play with my mate's band in new york but but then and that's what that's what they wanted to do with me but then i said no i don't I, I want a proper visa and apparently that was the problem you should never do that but you know maybe that was the one time i thought i don't want to break the rules <laughs> <laughs> because I couldn't, I couldn't bear the thought of flying to LA and being turned back and fucking flying all the way back again, and uh, and it turned out bad. So maybe my new motto is it always breaks rules. 
but we'll see. But not, it's tough. Now I've said that, I can't. So now I've said it on air, they're going to get me. They'll say, play me this at the airport. Yeah. Uh, you were saying about... <laughs> <laughs> Breaking, yes, never mind. So so you've got, obviously, this gig on the, the 30th, you've got the Rebellion. And for anybody else who's looking to know... Right, there's is... also Brighton. There's Brighton, we're playing Brighton, Prince Albert, on the 3rd of June, Saturday, 3rd of June. Right. And that's and there's, a couple of other, there's a couple of other things penciled in that are going to be announced along the way. I'm doing a couple of solo things. I'm doing a, a solo gig at the Union Bar in 50 Greek Street on the 27th of July. And that's going to be, uh, I'll be playing a couple of songs off this album that I've been talking about with these singers and stuff like that. And a couple of the musicians that I've been, that I've been working with are going to be at the gig doing this thing, doing their thing. And then Derwood is coming over from LA to London for a, some awards, it's a VLR awards thing, whatever that is. And I mean, that that great institution of the awards for VLR, he's coming over for that. And so we might hook up. And because Ratscape is played on the tracks, you know, it's a very loose stage at the moment, but, you know, it'd be... It would be great if we managed to squeeze a little, a little gig in somehow. Yes, but, but, uh, basically the place to go is is Andy Blade, aka Eater, on Instagram or Eater Facebook or Eater Punk Band Facebook. And it's got the and just kind of lastly on your you've got a special guest um, for the gig on at the end of this month. Um, how did you sort of get together with Jamie on this? Oh, Jamie Perrett, he's, um, well, I've known Peter Perrett, his dad, for quite a long time, obviously. And and I got reacquainted with Peter Perrett in the late 90s. And through that, I met his kids when they were much younger, about 11, 12 or something. And so I met Jamie back then. That was the first time I met Jamie. And he'd just formed a band called The Cunts. <laughs> and so I think he might want to change his name. But apparently had an asterisk. That was his, his excuse. It had an asterisk where instead of the U, as if when they look at it on the radio, what are they going to pronounce? You know. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so um, we we reacquainted, and uh, and I just thought it'd be a great idea for him to, you know, if he want, if he was up for it. And he was he was in the middle of a backpack around South America at the time when I finally got hold of him a, few, a couple of months ago, last year, and. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be good fun. He's back now, obviously. Yes, that's fantastic. Now I've just seen your Facebook page. So it's all there. This is great. So I think that's pretty good. I mean, um, yes, this year, twenty twenty three, it's going to, it's going to be full, isn't it? Really, by the end of it. Yeah, no, it's going to be very interesting. Like last year was really interesting. Yeah, this year is going to be uh, again, and it's it's always, you know, I'm all, I'm sort of too much of a realist to. Uh, to think everything goes great forever so i'm just always waiting for some <laughs> catastrophic event to happen so either a catastrophic event will happen or everything will be great for you know forever <laughs> and that would be yeah well i mean with the book i'm really excited by the book because it's always great to sort of read someone's memoirs and um the funny yeah. book it's a funny book Yes, and um, and obviously it's always good to get with the solo work done and out. So are you basically on Cleopatra Records now? Is this your label? Well, you know, for a, a record, maybe another record, where they 
you know, who might be doing the album with Cleopatra, the new Eater album. Yeah, that's it's tricky with the new Eater album because obviously I want it to be in the same vein uh, or the same, not the same vein, the same energy as the concept of Vita. And um, and so I'm always talking to, you know, the band about whether the new song, if does this song, song sound enough like it could be in, in the in Eater set, in the Eater set. And and choosing the right songs is is difficult. But it, but you know it's it it sound what what we've recorded already sounds great and and I think that the idea should be I think that's the best idea is to just approach it slowly and add new songs slowly along the way kind of thing because I know what fans are like and I'm like that so if I went to see um, I don't know Sparks and and I wanted to hear a lot of old songs but they're playing all these fucking new songs it's there's you know there's a balance of getting that right that uh as you know i'd like to i'd like to get that right and that's what yes happened. that is that's always going to be one of those things isn't it because i know most bands when they record a new album just want to play the new album but yeah it's kind of um pleasing the crowd isn't it tricky i think i think if the, if the songs are great you know if the songs of if the songs are fucking brilliant let me rephrase that if the songs are fucking brilliant then you just can't go wrong you know so that's what really amazing act with not just the stuff but with everything that i'm doing it's got to be not just okay or quite good it's got to be fucking brilliant but only to the people who get it like that band lineup that the unusual band the audience started thinning. It wasn't that the unusual band weren't any good. They were brilliant. Like outshone the other two bands, you know, million to one. It's just that they didn't get it. And yes. so the people, do, the, the people that do get it are in a kind of special club. And not, you know, for, and that's for all of my my heroes are, are usually people that every not everyone got it. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of like it like that in a way. It's it's kind of it feels. It feels okay. I didn't like it when Sparks had the movie that they had a couple of years back and suddenly everyone was a Sparks fan, you know. That kind of annoyed me a bit. And that's it. So maybe I'm just a bit weird like that. In fact, no, I mean, I. it's interesting. I saw a little clip of it and they had members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and various other people saying how brilliant they were. And it's like, I thought, I, I love rock films, but I really hate those type of rock films where someone tells me they like it. So I don't really care. I want, I want to. I don't, I, see, see I, I didn't know about that bit. I didn't see the movie, but just because of that reason, I don't want to be pissed off by it. But I didn't know that the Red Hot Chili Peppers like Spark, and I don't want them to, you know what I mean? No. <laughs> I didn't want them to like them. <laughs> I, just want, I just want to hear the band talking, you know, and being honest, and the producer and the engineer and the people who were there when they do one of those rock documentaries, I don't really want to hear other people telling me they like the band because it's like, well, I could say that, but who gives a shit? It's like, yeah, there's also something annoying about on this subject. There's also something annoying about when you've seen something like special in something in a book or in a movie or a band or a song, and no one else seems to get it, and then eventually they do. You know, there's something annoying about that, isn't there? It's like, well, you didn't like it when I played it to you last week. Instead of shit, you know, and then and then a couple of weeks later, oh yeah, and I've got their album. Yeah. So that but you just there's something about that that I don't know what yes. what would you, what do you call that? What do you call that? Well it's a bit elitism. Well I guess, yes, it is probably, but it's quite nice to feel like you've worked 
and and you haven't had to sort of just get get it given to you sort of given because yeah, I, I used to love John Peel but when he was alive I hardly ever spoke about John Peel to people because it was like yeah it was just like a, a conversational cul-de-sac because people would go mm, I don't really but then he died it was like Jesus everyone loves fucking John Peel it's like where were you when he was alive it was really pissed yeah. me off you know because it was like I can't remember you going on about the Bundu boys or Sly and Robbie or you know bog shed and but suddenly everyone's like just and also, they, emotional bandwagon and it really fucked me off they do that and, and on social media of course that made it even worse and so you know i've found that found that a lot of well a lot of my um peers have started dying and um whenever someone dies that i know that i knew you know there's it i notice it more obviously because of that and and suddenly all these people are gushing about them and i think well, well they're gonna fucking write about me it's going to be the same shit, isn't it? Oh, this lovely bloke. Oh, his stuff was so great. He was such a great voice, such a funny bloke, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> no one tells me now, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I know, they don't, I know. And it's I, want the, bit... I, I want obituaries before I die. That's, yeah, that's you, the want, you, want to, you want to hear them. Yeah, but it's always strange, because I know when Jimmy Savile died, I can't, I, I can't remember him dying or anything like that, but I do remember there seeing all these comments years later of all the people who went, oh, my God, Jimmy Savile, that's terrible, and they all wrote those things. So I always thought... And then, they, and then they quickly changed, then they quickly changed, didn't they? they quit, I mean, that, that's, all, how, that's how stupid it all is. That's how fickle and rubbish it all is. is that, but then you know, they, the, they, they don't just change, time. but they don't just change. They go, oh, yeah, I knew all along. It's like... And then they knew all along, yeah. I always thought so. Funny about and it's him. a bit like, well, fuck me, you didn't, you, you know, you didn't say that on Twitter. You said, oh my god, what an institution! The world's a dark. Yeah, at least be cons- at least be consistent. I mean, I thought always, I thought it was fucking weird, you know, and, and I never changed from nineteen seventy whatever to when he died. It was always, a bit, and so whenever I met people that liked him, it's like, well, you're fucking mad. And 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 it's the same sort of thing when you find out that they're now saying, oh, I hate Jimmy Savile. What a pro about it. It's the same thing about someone suddenly liking the band that you discovered that that you know they didn't get before. Kind of, it's that same dynamic, isn't it? Well, it's annoying when somebody like you know going back to John Peel, he would play something and no one liked it, and then daytime radio where one would play something like you know one of those artists. And they went, oh, yeah, I heard that on, you know, yeah, but you didn't like it when John Peel played it, but you like it when it's on daytime Radio 1 now, don't you? All they... yeah. and, and also, that, you've got to remember with John Peel, that famous time where he played the record at the wrong speed and thought it was really good. And that makes you, that does make you question about some of the output, you know, on his yes. show. Certainly I didn't <laughs> like it. I like listening to John Peel, you know, at night. If I was remembered he was on at night, and was in a room with the radio, but it was all it was almost like nine of the songs out of ten I could do without. You know, it's just one occasional really good thing. But it's just to get some weirder stuff in there is a good thing. He did play some obscure tracks, but then he started playing a lot of. He'd get his favourite new band, you know, from wherever they are in Bolton or that. Yes, I can't remember that band. He really liked. I fucking couldn't stand it. He, he thought they were the best thing ever. I don't mean the fool. But that's another one. And but who was that other stupid band that he loved so much? He's always anyway. He's he's uh, at least he, he loved Eater, so I've got to, got to give him that. And that, dear listener, is the end of the interview. That was me in conversation with Andy Blade from Eater. Um, if you want to find out any more information, I will give a link in the little piece below. 
And you can sort of Google away for that bits and, bits and pieces. Anyway, this has been the C86 Show. David Easter, if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just do C86 Show. All these have been archived, aren't you lucky? So you can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam. It's true. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.